Good morning, church family. Uh, for those of you who are visiting with us this morning, my name is Franklin Carr. I'm actually the youth minister uh, here at FBC Elgin. Uh, so glad you're watching us online. You get to join us uh, and be a part of what we're doing this morning. Um, I hope you had an incredible Easter as well. And you got to see family, whether that was uh, on Zoom, whether that was in person. Um, and so I just hope you had a great day remembering the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? And what that means for us, a life that we have in Him right? Um, and so before we dive in to scripture this morning, I would love to pray for us. If you could bow your heads with me, we'll pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you uh, for the opportunity to do this. So many people around the world don't have this op opportunity to meet even online. And so God, we're thankful for this opportunity that we have uh, to gather together um, online, even though it may look different than what we're used to. We're not in the same building, but God, we, we are your capital C church, God because the church isn't a building, it's people. And so God, thank you that we get to be your church. And thank you that we get to do this. And thank you, Lord, for your amazing love and the fact that um, even in times like this, times of uncertainty, uh, we, we can know that the battle is yours and you've already got the victory. You've already won the war, God, and that you're with us. So Lord, I love you. I praise you. Thank you for this time once again that we have. Would you please be with us? It's your name we pray, amen. Well, um, if you have your Bible um, or your copy of God's Word, the Bible app, BibleGateway.com, whatever you're using to have access to Scripture today, uh, if you could turn with me to Second Chronicles 20, that would be fantastic. Um, and I'll put the passage up on the screen. But I want to give some background real quick um, on, on what we're talking about. And so uh, our main character today is uh, a king named Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah um, after... Israel and Judah split after the death of Solomon. Um, uh, Judah and Israel both became these two separate kingdoms, right? Uh, and so Judah is named after uh, the son of Jacob, Judah, uh, and it still has Jerusalem. And so the temple is there. Uh, it's still uh, the hub for all the, all the religious church stuff going on. Um, and so we're going to be looking at the kingdom of Judah this morning in a, a situation where Jehoshaphat himself felt surrounded by this enemy that he hadn't seen before. Uh, he's surrounded by these enemies who have actually banded together against him uh, to go to war and to hurt to hurt the people of God, right? Uh, and similarly, why we're, why we're going over this specific passage this morning is because right now we are in a time of uncertainty. We're in a time that we don't know what to do. We've never seen this thing before. We've never been in a situation like we're living in right now. And so that's why we're uh, opening up to 2 Chronicles 20 this morning. And so uh, I'll have the scripture on the screen uh, and we'll begin. So 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 through 4. So after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Mayunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, there in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi, and Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord, and from the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And it says later on, verses five through eleven, um, Jehoshaphat actually he doesn't just you know say, hey, we're going to seek the Lord. He's not uh, 
just just seeing the Lord by himself. He's, he's telling the whole nation, he's like, hey, we're going to have a big service at the temple. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to talk to God because we're in a time that, that is unprecedented. We haven't seen this before. So we're going to go to God. And then follow up with me in verse 12. Let's pick it up. Jehoshaphat is praying in front of all the people of Judah, and he says, O Lord our God, will you not execute judgment on them, that is, uh, the enemies, right, the Moabites, the Ammonites, all those guys, uh, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming up against us. And this is my favorite part, and this is perhaps the most important part of this prayer, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And ladies and gentlemen, that brings me to my first point, which is our faith must be bigger than our fear. Our faith must be bigger than our fear. Look at Jehoshaphat's response, right? See, he is indeed afraid. He's scared. Like, it, like the scripture does not deny that he is afraid of what is coming. He's not uh, he's not, you know, totally nonchalant about it. He's, he's not just chilling. He's like, oh, everything's going to be fine. No, he's afraid, right? And, and it's because he was afraid. Like, we need to be paying attention to his response. So he is afraid, but it doesn't say that fear has seized him, right? The fear hasn't gripped him. The fear has not overcome him in a way that, 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 that he's panicking, right? And, and, and I feel like a lot of us today, especially when uh, the coronavirus first broke out, we saw a lot of panic. We saw a lot of panic. Maybe we felt a lot of panic, right? But look at what Jehoshaphat doesn't do. He doesn't panic, right? He's not freaking out because he can't control the situation. What does he do? He sets his face to seek the Lord. And what that literally translates to in the Hebrew is he made up his mind. He put it upon his heart to seek God in this time of uncertainty, right? In this time of fear, in this time of uncertainty, in this time where we're like, I can't control the outcome. He seeks God. He seeks God. Why? Because he knows God can take care of it. You see, our response in these uncertain times matters. Your response to how you, to, to how you react in situations uh, that you can't control is actually far more important than the fact that you can't control what's going on. I'll say that again. Your response is far more important than the situation you're actually responding to. Does that make sense? Your response matters. In a time of uncertainty, in this age of uncertainty right now, your response here and now, whether you wanted it or not, your response matters. It speaks volumes. Why? Because it, it shows you where your security is. Where is your security? Where is your sense of, I'm going to be okay? Where, what is your heart set upon, right? What is your foundation? And that is why our response matters. It shows us what, or hopefully who, right, Jesus, who our foundation is, right? And what we've built our lives upon. We don't ask for these situations though. And uh, I actually want to pull up a quote on the screen here. It's actually from a book that uh, I'm rereading. A lot of my friends are rereading. We even have staff members rereading it right now. Uh, but this is a quote that has actually saturated a lot of the social media ever since this outbreak. And I'm going to have it here on the screen. And it's actually from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. And uh, this is about Frodo. If you have seen the movies or read the books, Frodo is a hobbit. He's like, uh, he, he's this little character given a big responsibility. 
and uh, he, he understands he has to take the ring to Mordor to be destroyed. Otherwise, the Dark Lord Sauron is going to take it and take over all of Middle-earth, right? Um, and no one wants evil to take over. And so Frodo is given this big responsibility, and he doesn't want it. He says, I wish, I wish it need not happen in my time, right? He's talking about this time that he's in that he has to respond to. He says, I wish it need not happen in my time. And Gandalf, his friend, Gandalf the Grey, he says, so do I. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And that actually sounds a lot like a verse, Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. So Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and he says to them, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. And that begs the question, ladies and gentlemen, how are you responding to this time? What are you doing with the days, with the time that you're given right now? Are you panicking? Are you numbing things out? Are you drowning your sorrows in ways that, that, that are not beneficial to your soul, that aren't beneficial to your body, that aren't beneficial to your loved ones, right? Are you, are you numbing things out? Are you drowning your sorrows in unhealthy ways? Or are you seeking the Lord? Are you, are you seeking uh, to bring life, right? Out of this darkness, are you trying to be a light in the midst of all this chaos? Right? How are you using this time that you're given? And so I, I want us to be asking ourselves that question. Why? Because Jehoshaphat, we see how he responds. He responds by setting his heart on the things of God. He chases God. And it's not just because he's fully secure in himself. He says he, he sees his fear and he doesn't want that fear to get the best of him. You see, the situation is frightening, but he doesn't want it to stop him. Right? He doesn't want his fear to get in the way of his God. It's because he's afraid that he's running to God because he, de he doesn't want his fear to blind him from the God who's bigger than the situation, right? God's bigger than the situation. An example I have for us is Matthew 14, which is going to be up here on the screen right now. Um, and, and as you see, this is, this is a familiar story uh, when Jesus is walking on water. And so uh, to give some, some background, he, he's been talking to the crowds. He's been preaching. He's been he's been healing people. He's been performing miracles, and uh, he's and he's speaking wisdom and truth to people. He, you know, he's 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 God in the flesh, right? And he's doing all these incredible things and loving people, right? And and now he's he's taking a break. He says, "Hey, after he's dismissed the crowds, verse twenty-three, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone." But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They were like, oh, it's a ghost, right? Because if you see someone walking on water, you, your first thought is, that shouldn't be happening. Uh, and so then the most reasonable explanation is, it must be a ghost. Um, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then Peter asks him, he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out onto the water with you. And Jesus says, all right, come on, bro. And so Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on the water and he comes to Jesus, right? And he's, he's, he's right there with Jesus. And then Peter, when he saw the wind, verse 30, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, 
save me when this invisible enemy is hitting him from all sides. Why? Because you can't see wind, right? And, and I actually wondered what that meant in the text. Like, like Peter, when he saw the wind, like you can't see wind. But what, what it literally translates to is, is he saw like the wind was charging up. It was getting stronger. It was, it was causing these waves. It was causing this chaos. The wind was probably beating against his face and his hair and causing all of this mess right and he sees that and he's getting beaten from all sides by this invisible enemy that he can't see and he cries out he says lord save me why because he begins to sink he begins to sink because this enemy this invisible enemy that's surrounding him has him pushed on all sides and he's losing his footing he's starting to fear right he says lord save me and jesus we see jesus immediately reaches out his hand and he takes a hold of him. He says, oh, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. It stopped. The storm stopped, right? When Jesus has a hold of us, our storms cease, right? When we are secure in Jesus, when he's our foundation, we are solidified in that, it begins to make all the storms in our life, even if they're still there, they're much less chaotic. And we need to walk with confidence knowing that Jesus is always fully prepared to catch us should our worries catch our eye. Should, should our fears, should the things that we're worried about, the things that we can't control, should those things start to distract us and keep our eyes off of the Lord, right? Should those start to happen, he's always fully prepared to catch us. Why? Because Isaiah 41 tells us, Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I am with you. Right? And that was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. And we see that God is constantly promising to be with us, right? Even in crazy times like this, even crazy times we can't control, even crazy times where we are surrounded on all sides, right? God is with us. He's going to catch us. And we may be scared. Yes, and it may be dangerous. Yes, and we may not know what the future holds. Yes, but God is with us. We might be powerless, right? We might be powerless, but God is powerful. We have a powerful God on our side. You see, fear wants to distract us and make us think that God is not as big as he actually is. God is far bigger than we can constantly comprehend, right? He's far bigger than our situations. He's bigger than our struggles. He's bigger than, than our addictions. He's bigger than our past. He's bigger than all of that, right? He is so much bigger, and yet fear wants to step in and tell you that he's not. And the reality is we are powerless without him. We are powerless without him. And Jehoshaphat even knows that. And like Jehoshaphat, in our powerlessness, we must choose to praise God. When we feel surrounded on all sides, we have to keep our gaze on him, right? We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, God. Like we have to keep looking at God. It's a choice. And it's going to be a hard choice at times. You're going to have days where you don't feel like worshiping God. You're going to have days where you don't feel like talking to God. But it's a choice and we must choose it. Why? Because he can make the storms bearable. In our powerlessness, we have to choose to praise God. And we can praise him in our powerlessness because the battle is his, right? The battle belongs to the Lord. And that's my second point. The battle belongs to the Lord. 
pick up with me in Second Corinthians, Second Chronicles, twenty, and we'll be in verses thirteen, fifteen, and seventeen. So let's pick up. Meanwhile, all of Judah. So, so just a reminder. Jehoshaphat has assembled the whole nation of Judah. They're all in the temple. They're praising the Lord, right, uh, together. Uh, so they're in the temple. They're, they're worshiping. And this is happening while that's taking place. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children, right? So all the families are there. Everyone, everyone in the whole nation of Judah is there. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of a lot of people, uh, but he's a descendant of Asaph, right? And he's also a Levite. And the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. What you need to understand about Asaph, uh, well, and the Levites too. So the Levites are the priestly uh, tribe of Israel, and, and, and that's handed down, that legacy is handed down to them for, for generations. And then Asaph, uh, during the reign of King David, Jehoshaphat's uh, ancestor, um, Asaph was actually in charge of gathering up. Uh, the, the leaders of music uh, in the church, like in the temple. Uh, and so he's, he's essentially, he's a worship leader, right? And so uh, Jehaziel, right, is a worship leader in the temple and the spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he says this. He said, verse 15, listen all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. I'm going to read that again. For the battle isn't yours, but it is God's. Wow. And then verse 17, he tells them, you won't need to fight in this battle. See, stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. And so what, what Jehaziel is saying is like, hey, like the victory is already secured, but you need to know the battle belongs to the Lord. You don't need to be afraid because he's got you. He's taking care of you in this mess. Still be ready to go to battle, still go into battle. But when you go, you, you can know that the Lord is with you. He's got the battle. It's in his hands and he's going to see it through. He's going to see you through to victory, right? The battle belongs to the Lord, right? The battle belongs to the Lord. You see, Jehoshaphat is told um, to be wise and go out and prepare against the enemy, but he knows that God has already overcome the enemy. In fact, if you continue to read the passage, I encourage you to read it after this, but, but what we learn is that God has already prepared a way for the enemy to be defeated before uh, Jehoshaphat can even think about going into battle, right? And, and so God's already got the victory. He's already overcome and that takes me to John 16, 33, where Jesus is speaking and he reminds us, he says, I have said these things to you that you may have peace because in this world you're going to have tribulation, but take heart, I have already overcome the world. Jesus has already overcome the world. And because Jesus has already overcome the world, we don't have to be afraid of what we may face, right? See, we're not powerless if we have a powerful God on our side who has already conquered all the mess, all the evil, all the, all the fear, all of the things that beat us down. He's already conquered all of that on the cross, right? He's already taken care of all of that. So we don't have to be afraid. See, the victory um, already being won, though, we need to remember this. Uh, it, it's really easy for us when we know the victory is won when we know that God has done a good chunk of the, uh, has done all the work for us. Um, 
it's really easy for us to feel like we can sit back and not do anything. Um, and sometimes that even cheapens grace for us, right? Sometimes we feel like we don't need to be uh, pursuing the Lord with all we've got. We, don't, we feel like we don't need to be uh, using every single opportunity we can to love people and point them to him. But Jesus tells us otherwise. This is after his resurrection, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, right? What does he say? He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, always, to the very end of the age. Like, I'm going to be with you. You don't need to worry, but you have a job to do. And Acts 1.8, similarly, but you'll receive power when the Spirit has come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we still have a job to do, right? We're still called to be active in our faith. We're not meant to be passive in our faith. Jesus has done all the work. The victory is won, yes, but we, just like Jehoshaphat's armies were called to still suit up and get ready for battle, we are also called to suit up and still get ready for battle. Why? Because we have an enemy that's constantly going out against us. And we have an enemy, even now, um, and I'm not talking about the coronavirus, I'm talking about the ways that the enemy is getting inside our heads with fear and, and with worry and with, with this, this sense of control that humans often have, right? Uh, the, the ways that the enemy is attacking us, maybe even it's isolation and loneliness, I don't know. But the ways that the enemy is attacking us even now, right? We have an enemy, we have to be ready for war, right? Ephesians 6, armor of God, we have to be suited up, we have to be ready to go, right? And, and so we're not called to be passive in our faith. We're called to be active. And that means in your homes, loving one another like crazy, serving one another. Kids, serving your parents. Um, spouses, serving one another, right? Uh, like you need to be serving one another, loving one another. Uh, how can you be praying for one another? Praying for your friends. Maybe, maybe praying for people you know who may be alone in this crisis, right? Maybe for people you know who have family members who are infected. Um, I, I don't know, but, but we're called to look like Jesus even in quarantine. And I change the word up and say, especially in quarantine, all right? We're called to look like Jesus. We're called to be active in our faith. We're called to be ready to go, right? We have a job to do, Christians. We have a job to do, and that's to love people in the name of Jesus Christ and point them to him because there's a lot of people suffering from loneliness and depression. There's a lot of people who have just gotten laid off. There's a lot of people who may not even have anywhere to live right now, and we have a job to do. And so I'm going to give you some application points. How do we, in this time of uncertainty, in this time of quarantine, in this time where uh, we've never seen before, how do we respond well? And the first thing I want to put, it, put up here on the screen is you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus. So the prayer of Jehoshaphat, right? Verse 12 of 2 Chronicles 20, right? He says, we don't know what to do. Like, we don't know what to do. It's okay to not know what to do, right? But our eyes have to be on God. Our eyes have to be on Jesus. Why? Because he actually knows what to do. We don't, right? And even when we feel like we know what we're doing, most of the time we don't, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, right? But Jesus knows. Why? Because he's already won, and he's also currently already writing your story. Like He's already written it. He knows what's coming. 
He knows what you're going to face. He knows what you're going to struggle with. He knows every single thing that's going to happen. He has the answers. So why would you not want to put your eyes on the person who has the answers rather than focusing on all the things around you that are just causing you to, to, to want to numb it all out, right? We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. So that's my first point. Second thing, guys, second thing is we need to fight the battle on our knees. Fight the battle on your knees. And what do I mean by that? We don't fight our battles by swinging a punch. We don't fight our battles with a bunch of weapons. Our weapons are praise and thanksgiving. That's how we fight our battles. We go to God in worship, in prayer, and reading scripture, and going to him, being honest with him, being like, God, I don't know what to do, but, but I'm going to worship you in the midst of the mess. That's how we fight our battles. Fight the battle on your knees. Fight the battle in humility, on your face. Jehoshaphat gets on his face, right? And like, so fight the battle in worship and in praise. And the third thing, the third thing, ladies and gentlemen, is that we need to remember that the sovereignty of God is still going on in this season. Remember the sovereignty of God in this season. See, God is still on the throne. He's still sovereign, right? Even over this, he has overcome, right? Once and for all, he's overcome everything that we could possibly become fearful of. He's already, he's already taken care of it. He's already got the victory, right? Our victory is in him. And I'm not talking about a physical victory. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm preaching that we have a spiritual victory, right? Over death, over everything, right? Why? Because of Jesus Christ. And that victory looked like the Son of God nailed to a hunk of wood, suffocating and crying, Lord, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing, right? That was our victory. We have an eternal victory in Jesus Christ. No matter what happens in this side of eternity, we have an eternal victory on the other side, right? And, and so we should be able to face with boldness anything that comes our way. So remember that God is sovereign. He's still on the throne, whether you see it or not. God is still in charge and he's also doing incredible things. Like even right now, the fact that we can even live stream church, that it's reaching an audience of people who've never heard the name of Jesus before. And so he's doing so much good in this time, right? Whether we see it or not, God is moving. So remember God's sovereignty in all this. Guys, uh, I'm gonna pray us out. And then we'll have some announcements. So, dear God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you that you have fought our battles for us. Thank you that you are with us in the dark valleys. Thank you that we can look to you when we don't know what to do. God, I pray that in this time of uncertainty, in this time of fear, in this time of restlessness, we would look to you. We'd remember that you have the answers even when we don't. And that we can lean on you whenever we are not strong. God, I just pray that you would be with us, help us to go out, help us to face all of our uncertainty, knowing that you are still writing our story and that you are in control. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. God, we love you. We praise you. It's your name and pray. Amen. All right, everyone. I'm going to leave you all with announcements of Catherine. Um, have a blessed Sunday. Love you all.